0: Is the thing that you have built your life on enough to hold you up? Is the foundation of your life where you've built everything on top of that, is that foundation enough to hold you? Especially in hard times. Many of you, Have gone through hell. You've gone through really tough times. Immense heartbreak. You've been overwhelmed. You've been stressed out. You've been involved in terrible, terrible arguments. And the question is in those overwhelming times, when the health goes, when there's heartbreak, Is the foundation that you have chosen strong enough to hold you? Today, we're going to read about a man who literally had it all. By American culture, living my best life standards, this man had it all. He had everything. And in the end, he still finds himself at the feet of Jesus, feeling empty. He had everything, but he still felt empty. Here's another one. What do you do when you feel like you got it all, but you still feel like you're empty? Come with me to Mark chapter 10, Verse 17 through 22. Before I read Mark 10, I got a story. I got to be honest, I didn't make this one up. Once upon a time, there was a man who built a house on solid rock. Even though the rain came in and the storms were aggressive and the flood waters rose and the winds beat against that house, it did not collapse because it was built on bedrock. There was another man, another person, who built their house on the sand. When the rains and the floods came and the winds beat against that house, it collapsed with a mighty crash because nothing held it up. I got a question, don't know if you heard this one before but I'll give it to you anyway. Is the thing you have built your life on strong enough to hold you in the middle of the storm? In your life, can't speak for the person to your left or to your right in your life have you been the person who's built their house on a solid bedrock or have you been the person who's built your house on sand mark chapter 10 verse 17 through 22 gives us a story of a man who chose to build his house on sand. There's a quote, before we read Mark 10, just to frame this discussion, there's a quote by a non-Christian thinker, academic, his name is David Foster. For me, this was made popular by a pastor out of Manhattan. This uh, non-Jesus following dude, super smart guy, he's talking to a bunch of college students, doesn't believe in Jesus, but he says this. Here's something else that's weird, but true. In the day-to-day trenches of life, of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. The compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God, some, soul, some sort of Wiccan mother goddess, or Jesus Christ, or, or Allah, or Yahweh. The reason for, the compelling reason for maybe choosing this sort of God is because to choose a God is choosing something that can hold you up. Truths or some set of ethical principles is that pretty much anything else you worship, you will, you will be eaten alive by it. To not choose this higher power, he's saying, and choose other things it will, ev- it will eventually eat you alive. For example, he goes on to say, if you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. Ugly. And when the time and age start catching up with you, when they start showing, starting to show on me, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. On one level, we all know this stuff already, he says. It's been codified in myth, proverbs, cliches, parables, the skeleton of every great story. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. This is a non-Jesus follower dude that's basically asking the question, is the thing you've built your life on enough to hold you up? I don't know if you are a committed Jesus follower or you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, but everybody, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, we all have to answer this question, is the thing that I'm worshiping, as Mr. Wallace so eloquently said, is the thing that I'm worshiping big enough to sustain me? Mark 10, 17 through 22. I'll read it. You can follow along with me on the screen. As he, was setting out on a journey, this is Jesus, a man ran up, knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Help me out, Jesus, what I gotta do. Why do you call me good? Jesus responds. Jesus punches this dude in the face. I'm going to tell you why. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. It's a big statement. We'll go over that really quickly here. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Don't lie. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Put some respect on mom and dad's name. He said to him, Teacher, Jesus, I got this. He says, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for the list, but I, I got this. Jesus, man, I wish I was there. Jesus looking at him, he says, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all you have and give to the poor. I got to pause there because I might forget to say this. Jesus, as some of you all know, skipped a good portion of the Ten Commandments. He only talked about the second half of the Ten Commandments and didn't mention the last of the Ten Commandments. He only mentioned the second half, skipping the first very important half of the Ten Commandments, but it's very intentional. And he kind of covers it right here. He tells the man, there's one thing that you're lacking, bro. He says, go, sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Talk about getting rejection when you're trying to lead somebody to something bigger than themselves. Watch this rejection, this is huge. But this man, this young man was dismayed by this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Don't miss that. This is massive. The thing that leaves this guy sad and grieving, the source of his sadness and his grief was all of his money and his stuff. So you want to live your best life now, huh? You want to work extremely hard so you can make a life for yourself and for the people that you love. This rich young ruler is a good dude. Like some of the things that he said, Jesus, I got those. And Jesus then responds and says, you're right. You got those. Some of the stuff that he just mentioned, I don't even think I could say Jesus. I got those <laughs> could you I mean this is a good dude I, 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 I said to myself when I'm reading this this is the kind of guy that I want my daughter to marry this dude is rich let's just stop there he is rich that means that I don't have to pay for anything that means he and his family they got it the weddings covered he's rich People, not only is he rich, he's young. Kind of lends itself towards he's healthy. He's got the wealth. He's got the health. But then there's this other thing. He's got power. He's like an aristocrat. He's he's top shelf. He's, I mean, if son-in-law needs some help, I can call, I can, I can, uh, I can, I can call him and I can, I can say, hey, man, you know, because I'm, you know, father-in-law. I can, I can call him. I can say, hey, son-in-law, uh, you're big time. You got power. Help me out, you know. But there's something lacking. I love Mark. Mark gets right to the point. Right in verse 17, he hits the nail on the head. He sees Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. This is a far journey that he's on. He's about to embark upon. Jesus, all the disciples, all the homies, they're about to go on a journey. Modern day language, all the bags are packed and I'm ready to go, leaving. He's ready to go. And suddenly a man shows up, he runs to Jesus, he gets on his knee, And he pleads and says, Jesus, I'm in need. Watch this, don't miss this. A man who has everything, he has accomplished the American dream, and he comes running to Jesus. You don't supposed to do that in that particular culture. He's rich, there's no reason why you should be running. Rich people don't run, they don't run to a a broke dude from Nazareth named Jesus. A guy from a lower class. You you aren't rich running to Jesus saying, hey bro, help me out. You already got it, rich young ruler. You got everything. Mark hits it right on the top of the head. He doesn't call him a ruler. He doesn't doesn't give him a special title. He says a man. (laughs) Set out on a journey and a man runs up, gets on a knee, and asks a massive question that reveals a big part of his heart. I don't even think the dude knows what he's saying. He says to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a big deal. Because in that particular time, you don't call somebody like Jesus a good teacher unless you believe that there is something divine about this particular rabbi. The statement, good teacher is reserved for a God-like character. And Jesus knows right off the bat that this dude don't believe that he's God. So Jesus punches him in the face, figuratively speaking. And he says to this dude, why are you calling me good? Ain't nobody good, but God. And then the dude fixes his language, God, wrapped in flesh. Jesus is what we believe as Jesus followers. This is Jesus, a human being. He's God, wrapped in human flesh, standing before this dude. And and Jesus has claimed that he is God, very God. But this dude doesn't believe it. And yet he still calls him good teacher. Maybe he's trying to be polite. I don't know. But Jesus calls him on it because he knows his heart. He knows that he's not there to acknowledge him as God. Don't miss this. He's not coming to Jesus because he believes that Jesus has all that he needs. He's coming to Jesus to get a prescription. He's coming to Jesus to get something. First point, this is big. I'll read it just so I won't mess it up. Make life about what's made and not its maker. Big question, how can you have everything and be empty? Here's how you do it. You can have everything and be empty when you make life about the things that are made and not the maker. Romans chapter 1 says, when you focus more on the gift and not the giver. When it's all about checking a box and less about serving something, living for something, sacrificing for something bigger than yourself. I I hear what you guys are saying. I hear you guys are like, preacher, I checked out a while ago. When, When I knew this sermon was about money and possessions, I knew you was preaching to somebody else because I'm not rich. I'm broke. Or I don't have a lot. Everybody thinks they don't have a lot. We all know somebody who's got more money than all of us. And so anytime somebody preaches about greed or talks about possessions, we all say, you need to be preaching to the dude down the street. He's got multiple boats, more homes, vacation property. You need to be preaching to the other lady to the other dude, that other family. <laughs> it's not quite like adultery or, or murder. When you talk about murder, we all get that. We don't, you don't just stumble into murder. You don't wake up one day and say, oops, murdered somebody. <laughs> you, don't, you don't find yourself in the afternoon and say, oops, Man, didn't see adultery coming. But when you talk about greed, when you talk about money, when you talk about possessions, it's so easy to punt this thing because we can always look to the left or look to the right or scroll on social media and say, look, they're going on vacation again, Jesus. I only went on one this year or I haven't vacationed in five. I don't even know what blue water and sandy beaches look like. Come on, Jesus. And then Desert Springs has the nerve to have this preacher dude standing on the stage talking about greed and possessions. And now you're super annoyed because you're like, you don't know my financial situation. You don't know what I'm going through. I can't be greedy. That's not me. But the scripture isn't talking about what you have in your bank account. The scripture's talking about what you have in your heart. The scripture is asking us, this text is begging for you to answer this question, who, what is on the throne of your heart? What is that thing that you say, "Ah, that was worth it? What is that thing that makes you say, whew, Yes, we made it. We did it. What is that thing that you treasure? I love when scripture says, wherever your treasure is, wherever your supreme value is, whatever's the highest point of your worship, of your praise, of your, yeah, whatever that is, the scripture says, that's where we can find your heart. Can I push it? Scripture also says, what does it profit a man? What does it profit a beautiful woman? What does it profit a little girl, a little boy? What does it profit any of you people? What is the gain if you have it all and you lose your soul? What does it profit a man, woman, boy, or girl to gain everything? and lose the most important thing. He made his life about what was made and not the maker. He goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I need some of that eternal life stuff. Let me get that. I just need to inherit eternal life. The very answer is staring him right in the face. The solution, the alpha, the A, the Z, the everything is standing right in, have you ever been right in front of the very thing that you needed? But you were so blind. If you ever read Luke chapter 11 and 12, it talks about when the eyes have been darkened. When the eye has been darkened and you can't see. It's the same thing. Mindset of Romans 1, when when the gift has been such a big deal to you that you can't see what matters most the giver. The giver's right in front of the rich young ruler, but he can't see beyond his real God. Second thing we see in the text, Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I know you don't believe that I'm God, bro. Next verse, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery. Be honest, respect mom and dad, honor father and mother. Second part of this is, it's pretty simple. How do you have everything and still be empty? This verse answers it for us. You can have everything and still be empty when morality is higher than an almighty God. When morality in your mind is bigger or higher than an almighty God. Right here. This is it. The next verse is going to show you how this rich young ruler has prioritized these things as his his allness and muchness. He said to him, teacher, Jesus, I have kept all these from my youth. I've been a good dude. I've been moral. I'm a good person. This kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and my mama used to always lecture me. Oh my gosh. She would lecture me on living my life for something bigger than myself. It was this consistent talk that my mama gave and it would always come out like grades or this same talk track would come when grades would come out. You know, I was an A student all the time, you know. No, that's not true. That's not true. You know, or one of my teachers would call home and be like, you know, Matthew's talking too much. I know that's a shocker to you guys. I don't know, something, or I wouldn't clean a dish right, or, 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 or I forgot to take out the trash, and she would, you know, start this whole talk track on living for something bigger than myself and taking initiative and, and all these things. And in my mind, in my mind, I didn't say it from my mouth, but in my mind, in my mind, in my mind, I would be thinking in the back of my mind, woman. I said in my mind, in my mind. I would be thinking, I'm not like Ms. Johnson's kids. I don't smoke weed, I'm not stealing, I ride my own bike, I don't take people's shoes. Like, people in my hood, man, I mean, I don't beat nobody up, I'm a good kid, mom, don't you know? In my mind, in my mind. <laughs> What, what was I saying? I was saying, forget about all of your high theory and, and all of your, 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 your greater living. Dude, I'm doing good stuff. I have kept all of these. Mom, I'm not doing bad stuff. I'm a good person. And what my mom was getting at was something that she got from scripture. The next verse, it points it out. Looking at him, Jesus loved him man, I wish I had time. Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. We're getting back to the commandments, Old Testament, very nuanced here. Jesus already knew that that this rich young ruler had not kept the first part of the 10 commandments. He knew that this rich young ruler had not put God first. He already knew that, but he couldn't just list that off. He had to show him where his heart was. How does Jesus do it? He asks him some very focused, intentional questions. And then he sets him up for the knockout punch, figuratively speaking. He reveals to the dude what his heart is really about what the foundation of his life has been built on. He goes right to who his God really is. He says, go, sell all you have and give to the poor. Oh. Guys, let me be transparent for a second. Let me, let, me, let me be honest. When I was broke, I mean broke, when I was young, My family, we all on food stamps. I'm in Sunday school. Like picture this, broke kid in Sunday school. And I hear the Sunday school teacher reading this verse. I can't remember it like it was yesterday. The Sunday school teacher says that Jesus said, go and sell all that you have. I'm broke. I'm a little kid. I ain't got nothing. And even when the Sunday school teacher read this verse, my heart was like, ooh, sell everything, Jesus? Just give it all away? I mean, this passage is massive. This is like one of the only places in the Bible where Jesus has ever said, give it all away. Zacchaeus, in a tree, he's like 50%. Right here, he's like 100%. He's like everything. But why does he say everything? Why does Jesus tell this dude. Never told nobody this before. Why does Jesus tell this dude give it all away? This is the last point. We ought to hear. Money and materials when misplaced become a monster. Money, materials, when misplaced become a monster. Jesus saw that it wasn't the success, it wasn't a problem with money, it wasn't wasn't a problem with the power, It it wasn't a problem with those things by themselves, in and of themselves. The problem was what he had allowed those things to become. Remember what we said earlier? Adultery, it's pretty black and white. Murder, we know when you've killed somebody. But greed, That's a little more challenging. I can't give you a 10 step, you know, bullet point plan on how to make sure you're not greedy. That's something that, that, that comes out of community and, and comes out of accountability, and, and, and which is why Pastor Caleb is constantly encouraging all of us to, to get plugged and get connected to somebody outside of ourselves, get connected to other folks that are on this journey and on this path with you, because then they can kind of watch your same talk track and, and they can see inconsistencies and you can see their inconsistencies and, and your iron can sharpen their iron and, and vice versa. You guys can kind of grow together and and challenge one another. But without that, you kind of implode on yourselves like this rich young ruler. Jesus confronts him and he says, you are lacking in this one area. Your money and your possessions have consumed you. Your money and your stuff have taken over your life. You have empowered money and you have empowered possessions in such a way that it has just surrounded you to the point to where you can't see and when I confront you when I've given you an opportunity to to get connected with the master with the matchless master you have said I don't want that I don't want the giver I don't want the waterfall I don't want the source of everything I'm just satisfied with the little stream and that's evidence. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but that's, that's one plus one equals two. That's evidence that, that, that when that particular thing is such a big deal that you refuse to let it go for something bigger, that's clear evidence that it has consumed you. Money, wealth, power, influence, your calendar, your agenda, your schedule, Your daily planner, your perspective on the marriage, your perspective on parenting, your perspective over the next 10 years. If not laid at the feet of Jesus, if it's just on your own throne, in your own perspective, in your own way, will become your God and it will consume you. Even a non-Jesus following dude was able to point that out. This non-Jesus following dude clearly says, I mean, smart, brilliant dude doesn't believe in the Bible. And he clearly is saying, yo, bro, beauty, money, sex, it cannot reach the deepest part of your heart. It's got to be something bigger. Now, he's he's saying, I don't subscribe to it, but it's got to be something bigger than things, than stuff. I'll ask the same question and we'll get out of here. (laughs) Is the thing you've built your life on enough to withstand anything? Am I? Are you like the foolish dude who built his house on sand? Or are you like the wise person who built their house on a rock? I believe that Jesus Christ died over 2,000 years ago because he knew that I, Matthew Hawkins, Didn't have enough in his intellect, didn't have enough in his bank account, did not have enough in his pedigree and in his position to save himself. I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross because he knew that by myself, I could not make it. He died. But I'm so excited about the fact that not only does he take credit for my past mistakes? Not only does he cover that and cleanse me and wash me from all of that, not only does he say, hey, it was me. This, this is guy. He's perfect in me. I'm gonna take the punishment. I'm gonna take the whooping. This guy goes free. I'm not, I'm not just excited about that. I'm not just excited about the fact that, that he conquers my sin, but I'm excited about the fact that he conquers death. And he's able to come out of the grave and say, oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your power? I have overcome the world. I've overcome sin. I've overcome Satan. I've overcome death. I am the only way that you can build a house and it stand in terrible times. I don't know if you've ever heard this one, but on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand.